Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. A bit over a year ago, Elon Musk bought Twitter and on his first day in the office replaced all of the plumbing fixtures, which I'm told is an ancient Musk family tradition. Its origins are lost to time. That's not all he changed. He changed the branding of the company to X, laid off 80% of the staff, replaced the content moderation system with a crowdsourced community note system, and added paid verification check marks to replace the legacy system. Musk reinstated a number of previously banned accounts and claimed to take a more free speech approach on the platform, mostly only suspending accounts that criticised or made fun of him personally. On Wednesday this week, Musk lost his cool in an interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin, who he calls Jonathan. And, and Jonathan, like, the, the only reason I'm here is because you were a friend. I'm Andrew, but uh, yeah, sorry, it's okay. He said that the advertisers that stopped spending on the platform due to his endorsement of an anti-Semitic post can fuck themselves. Here's the clip. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money... Go f*** yourself. But go f*** yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Andrew, or Jonathan Ross Sorkin, as I now call him, asked if Musk's behaviour would kill the company, and this is how he responded. Um, no, no, totally. So, so no, no, actually, what, what this advertising boycott is, uh, is, is going to do, it's, it's going to kill the company. And you think that the company... And the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. This all came out because earlier this month, Musk responded to an anti-Semitic tweet saying that it was the actual truth. During the interview with Jonathan, Musk apologised for his tweet, calling it perhaps one of the most foolish, if not the most foolish, things he had ever done on the platform. He also rejected the accusations that he was anti-Semitic and insisted he had been misunderstood. IBM, Apple, Walt Disney, Comcast, Paramount, Lionsgate, Sony Pictures and Warner Brothers have all paused their advertising spending on Twitter due to this controversy, worried that their adverts might be shown next to controversial and inappropriate content. Many of these companies stopped posting on Twitter too in the wake of this scandal to avoid damaging their brands. There are reports in the press that they are unlikely to return, having been burned a few times on Twitter. 
This is not unlike what happened on YouTube in 2018, when a much-beloved children's entertainer and crypto-scammer filmed a controversial video in Japan, which led advertisers to reconsider advertising on YouTube. YouTube had to enact new advertiser-friendly policies to deal with this. The non-profit company Media Matters reported adverts for top brands on Twitter next to posts touting pro-Nazi and white nationalist content. Twitter is suing Media Matters, claiming that it was deliberately leading a smear campaign against the platform. The companies that cancelled their advertising spending were all amongst the largest spenders on Twitter, according to Sensor Tower data. Given that all of these large brands have stopped advertising on Twitter or even using the platform at all, the company is now under pressure to both sell additional ad space to smaller advertisers and to retain other large advertisers to sustain revenue. Twitter was not a great business last year when Elon Musk bought it. Today it is saddled with debt, its revenues have collapsed and it has much lower engagement than before. Elon Musk does have some ideas for turning it around, so let's discuss if Twitter is likely to go bankrupt and what might happen in the event of its bankruptcy. In April 2022, Elon Musk announced his intention to buy Twitter, which many people thought was possibly a joke at the time. Elon has a long history of pretending to do mergers and acquisitions, usually at prices like $420 or $69. So at the time, there was no good reason to take his offer seriously. He then secured financing for the deal, signed a binding merger agreement, and only then tried to back out of the deal. Unfortunately, the joke was on Elon this time. He was forced to make the purchase and then sued the law firm who had done their job by forcing him to complete the deal. I made around three videos on this topic at the time. Elon pledged to provide $46.5 billion in equity and debt financing for the acquisition, which covered the $44 billion price tag and the closing and legal costs. About 60% of this money came from Musk as he managed to sell a lot of his Tesla stock near the all-time high. Banks, including Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, committed to provide $13 billion in debt financing, which they initially planned to sell on to investors. People like Jack Dorsey, Larry Ellison, Sequoia Capital, Fidelity, and the noted free speech absolutist Prince Al-Walid bin Talal al-Saud put in the remaining $7 billion. Twitter was never a very profitable company. It lost money every year since its founding, other than in 2018 and 2019. In 2021, before being purchased, Twitter had made $5.1 billion in revenue, pretty much all of which came from advertising. The company would have been profitable that year, except for having settled an $805 million shareholder lawsuit, so they ended up losing around $200 million that year. Usually investors 
don't like to lend money to businesses like this. And that's why Musk's $13 billion loan came with an 11.75% interest rate. This was at the time when interest rates were close to zero. The loan added just over $1.5 billion in interest rate expense to the company, which is more than it made in 2019, its most profitable year ever. Straight away, Musk needed to increase cash flow by $1.5 billion in order to be able to service the loan. That's not what happened. With all of his talk of getting rid of content moderation, over 500 advertisers paused spending on Twitter, taking a wait-and-see approach. This caused the company's daily revenues to fall by 40% compared to the prior year, according to Reuters. Advertisers are under no obligation to advertise on any platform, and they make their spending decisions based on how likely an advert is to make a sale, and they're careful to avoid anything that might harm their brand, which often took decades to build up. From the very start, personnel costs have consistently been Twitter's most significant expense, with salaries being paid to around 7,500 employees. When Musk took over, he laid off around 80% of the staff, stopped paying rent on office space and closed down one of the company's three data centers. Because Twitter is a private company now, it no longer publishes financial statements, so it's not easy to know what cash flows look like today. But we can gather some information from announcements made by investors like Fidelity, who've been writing down the value of their private investment, and from Musk's occasional statements to the media. We just revalued the company at less than half of uh, the acquisition price. This April, Musk did an interview with the BBC, where he discussed what the numbers looked like. In, in rough numbers, uh, revenue dropped from four and a half billion to three, um, uh, and um, expenses went from four and a half to six, creating a three billion dollar negative cash flow situation, um, and Twitter having a billion dollars in the bank. That's four months to live. So unless drastic action was taken immediately, this company's going to die. Using these numbers, Twitter was on track to lose $3 billion in 2023. In the same interview, Musk claimed that many of the advertisers had since returned to the platform. Have all the advertisers come back? Uh, Not all, but most. And you can see it for yourself on Twitter. And he went on to say... How is it going? Is is Twitter in profit now? No, Twitter is... uh... Uh, rough, I'd say we're roughly break-even at this point. And I think you've said before, you, you, see a, you see a world where you could be in profit. Is there a timeline on that, do you think? I mean, I, depending on how things go, if current trends continue, I think we could be profitable. Or, I mean, pro, pro, I'd say, to be more precise, we could be cash flow positive uh, this quarter if things keep going well. He was much more positive back then about advertising. Um, and do you have a message for the advertiser? I mean, can you say which advertisers haven't come back? Um, I, think, I think almost all of them have, have either come back or said they're going to come back. There are very few exceptions. 
Three months later, Musk tweeted, we are still negative cash flow due to an approximately 50% drop in advertising plus heavy debt load. It's hard to know how to compare these contrasting statements, but maybe a lot of advertisers had returned to Twitter, but were spending a lot less on advertising. Twitter's ad sales staff told the New York Times around the same time that they were struggling to sell advertising as advertisers were concerned about inappropriate content on Twitter and their adverts being on the same platform as low-end products. The salespeople said that advertising sales were down by 56%. Fidelity, who invested in the deal alongside Musk, had marked down the value of their stake in the company by 65% as of September. They may have to write it down again before year end. By their estimate, the entire company was worth $15 billion at that point in time. This decline was not industry-wide. Facebook is up 160% in 2023. One of Musk's big plans to increase revenue and reduce dependence on advertisers was to start charging for Twitter verification. A month or so after taking control, Musk announced that he would be charging $8 per month for verification. Twitter had initially introduced verification in 2009 in response to a celebrity lawsuit. They verified big accounts by putting a blue tick next to them to prevent fraudulent activities on the platform. The whole purpose of verification was simply to prevent lawsuits. Over the years, people had expressed frustration over the way the verification system worked. It had become more of a status symbol than anything else and was occasionally taken away from people as punishment for bad behaviour on the platform, which didn't really make any sense. The rollout of Elon's $8 blue ticks was a total disaster. In the first few days, scammers began pretending to be corporate users or famous individuals by using the new Twitter Blue paid option. On November 10th, an account pretending to be Eli Lilly's corporate account tweeted, We are excited to announce insulin is free now. It took the newly understaffed Twitter six hours to remove the fake tweet, which got retweeted thousands of times. Lilly's stock fell 6% that day, wiping $15 billion from its market cap. Eli Lilly, who had been a big advertiser on Twitter, pulled their advertising immediately. An Eli Lilly official told the Washington Post that for $8, Twitter is losing out on millions of dollars in ad revenue. Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Nintendo, BP, Nestle, Lockheed Martin and even Tesla fell victim to $8 blue tick impersonators. Elon's tirade at the New York Times deal book summit this week may not have been entirely necessary. Go yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Advertisers are possibly already well aware of how Elon feels about them. Around 300,000 people appear to subscribe to Twitter Blue, meaning that the platform earns less than $2.5 million per month from the service, 
which doesn't do much to make up for the lost advertising revenue. Politicians and celebrities were impersonated too. The system allowed a fake account verified by Twitter Blue to pose as a Sudanese official and falsely report the death of a military leader during an active military conflict. Celebrities, it turned out, were unwilling to enroll in a program designed to convey status that anyone with $8 could sign up for. So most of the people who signed up for Twitter Blue were accounts with less than a thousand followers, and there are close to 3,000 Twitter Blue subscribers paying $8 per month who have zero followers. On the day when the legacy blue ticks disappeared, famous users like Stephen King and Jason Alexander began reporting having the blue check mark without having paid for it nor wanting it. Musk later confirmed that he was personally paying for Twitter blue subscriptions for a list of celebrities, all of whom had dismissed the idea of paying for Twitter. In rap news, which in truth is the main focus of this channel, the rapper Doja Cat tweeted upon losing her legacy blue tick that if you have a blue tick, then you're a complete loser. Other people who were vocal Elon Musk supporters bought blue ticks to support the platform. Quite a few long-term Twitter users were annoyed with the For You algorithm feed introduced under Musk, with many complaining that the recommended tweets shown in For You were not relevant to their interests. While you could switch to the following tab, every time you reopened Twitter, it brought you to the algorithmic feed. For people who used Twitter as a news feed, it became totally useless, as it was often showing you tweets from people that you don't follow from days ago. The worst thing about Twitter Blue is that it boosts the tweets of paid users rather than tweets that people actually find interesting. Every time people logged in, they found themselves reading tweets from strangers they were not interested in who had paid to be boosted. Presenting users with content that they don't find interesting is a terrible user experience. It's worth noting that as bad as many of these decisions were, other social media platforms watched how things worked out with Twitter and then borrowed some of the ideas, such as laying off a lot of their content moderation staff and charging for verification and boosting, but with a more careful rollout. A number of other microblogging sites do of course exist and many users have migrated to other platforms, but none have really gained a lot of traction. Linda Yaccarino, the new CEO of Twitter, was recently interviewed at the Vox Code conference. She seemed a little bit flustered as she only realized that she was wearing her suit inside out when she was on stage. And I think we've all had nightmares like that. She claimed in an interview that engagement had increased at Twitter under Musk's ownership. When you look at the length of time spent, the engagement on X right now, the key metrics are trending very, very positively. Unfortunately, that's not what the data shows. The research firm Sensor Tower shows that daily active users have fallen 16%. 
app download data shows that the company is experiencing its lowest download rates in over a decade, with a nearly 30% decrease since July when Musk decided to rename the company X. It appears that people have just lost interest in Twitter. While I have an account, I hardly ever log in anymore. Elon Musk has many ideas about how he will monetize Twitter, and it's not just all $8 blue ticks. Essentially, if, if, if done right, the X would be, would, would serve people's financial needs to such a degree that over time it would become, I don't know, maybe half of the global financial system. Wow. Or some big number. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what the number is, but pretty big. Um, so it would be by far the biggest sort of financial institution. But, but like I said, not, not, not really in the way that people are used to thinking about uh, banks. Mm-hmm. Just um, just the most efficient database for the thing that is money. Um, like I said, like least amount of fraud. Uh, everything's real time. Um, the New York Post reports that Musk has given his staff a year to get that up and running. 2024 is likely to be a very big year for Elon Musk. Uh, so then in 2024, uh, we want to try to fly four ships, uh, two of which would be crewed and two of which, two, two cargo and, and two, two crew. Now, turning a microblogging site into half of the world's financial system would be quite a big deal. If every single financial transaction in the United States Europe and China were done on the app, that would bring you to about 49% of the world's financial system. So let's never accuse Elon of lacking ambition. In many ways, if building a payment system was his plan, he should have started by buying maybe a bank. Hopefully, once his CEO Linda turns her suit out the right way, her background in European, American and Chinese payment systems and financial regulation will start to pay off. Oh, um, wait, sorry. Her background is in, in advertising sales. Maybe Jack Dorsey and Jay-Z will be able to help him out. They've got that Bitcoin Academy thing that they were doing about a year ago. Now, Musk's idea of X as a payment system is an idea that he definitely came up with entirely on his own. The fact that it sounds a lot like Alipay and WeChat Pay, which are widely used in China, is just a coincidence. Payment apps took off in China, not because they're a great way of making payments, but because China had a stodgy state-dominated banking system where it was extremely difficult to get anything done at all. Credit cards never took off in China. The country skipped over a generation of finance and went straight to smartphone-based digital payments. Similar payment methods already exist in the rest of the world, things like Apple Pay and Google Pay, but only 12% of in-store transactions in the United States use these apps, which are built into almost every smartphone, because Americans and Europeans prefer using credit and debit cards. I can't see why anyone would decide to use the 18th most popular social network for payments when they already have a tap-to-pay app built into their phone, which they choose not to use. 
On a side note, I'm not sure if people would trust Twitter with their savings when the company won't even pay its own office rent. Earlier this year, Twitter announced that they would begin sharing ad revenue with content creators on its platform, but the offer wouldn't apply to all creators. You would have to pay Twitter $8 per month for Twitter Blue, and then there was a chance that they would pay you more than $8 for the valuable content you create on the platform. And there's nothing Ponzi-like about that structure. A company that's unable to generate ad revenue itself, paying people for the ads that run under their tweets, but only if you pay into the platform first. There's been a lot of hype around AI this year too. So Elon Musk recently announced the formation of XAI, a competitor to OpenAI with ambitions to understand the true nature of the universe, of course. A few weeks ago, Musk announced that XAI had been folded into X, which is what he now calls Twitter, and that its first product, a chatbot called Grok, is ready for testing. It's hard to know if this is valuable or not. XAI was founded in mid-July. If these things can be coded up in four months by a skeleton staff at a failing social media company, we might see a lot more of them appearing rather soon. Twitter does not appear to be doing awfully well as a company, and it seems unlikely to me that Elon's recent tirade will do much to improve its reputation with advertisers. While everyone thinks of Elon Musk as the sole owner of Twitter, there are actually other investors who can only be so happy with him burning the business to the ground. It's not reasonable to ask your friends to invest in your company and then behave like this. They're going to say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? That's, see, that's and, what and they're going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. The banks who lent $13 billion for the purchase of Twitter initially planned on selling that debt to credit funds, but found themselves unable to sell it after all of the shenanigans around the purchase last year. At the time, it was reported that investors were only willing to pay 60 cents on the dollar for the 11.75% debt. I imagine at this point, they would probably be happy to sell that debt at less than 50 cents on the dollar if anyone was willing to take it off their hands. If Twitter's unable to make the $1.5 billion interest payments in the coming years, the company would go bankrupt and be owned by the lenders. Who knows, maybe the banks will own Twitter and turn it into some sort of payment app. So far, Musk has not indicated whether he would put any further money into the business or not. You have enormous resources, so you can actually keep this company going for a very long time. Would you keep it going for a long time if there was no advertising? I mean, if the company fails because of an advertiser boycott, it will fail because of an advertiser boycott. And that will be what bankrupted the company, and that's what everybody on Earth will know. What do you think then of the? I guess this goes back to the to idea exist. of trust, though. Then it'll I, be gone, and it'll be gone because of an advertiser boycott. But but you recognize that some of those people are going to say that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, and I I, wonder, I just wonder and ask you and think about that for a Tell second. Tell it to the judge. 
But the, but the judge is going to be... Uh, the judge is the public. As Jonathan said, Musk does have the resources to continue funding Twitter. Tesla shares are up 120% this year. The shares that he owns have increased in value by $30 billion over that period. If he wanted to, he could sell more of his Tesla shares, buy back the debt at 50 cents on the dollar, maybe even buy out the other equity investors, and in no time at all control possibly half of the global financial system. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed it, send a link to a friend. Have a great week and talk to you again soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.